Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? My name is Quincy. And this is my show, the Talk to Q Radio Show. It's almost like posting a blog, except I'm doing it live. Tonight, my name is Quincy, and this is my show. And yes, we're discussing rebuilding a city. That's one of the topics tonight, but let me do a little show maintenance before I get started and explain how this show works for those who may be new. This show is a platform for you, the callers, the chat room participants, the social networkers, All of you have the opportunity to voice, chat, or tweet your opinions to me and be heard worldwide and completely uncensored. Because here on T2Q, there are no experts, just opinions. Unlike most shows where you simply just listen to the host talk on and on, I allow you the opportunity to speak your mind. You can join my show legends each episode and discuss a wide range of things like relationships, current events, sports, celebrities, and more. This show is very informal by design because my style is very unorthodox in nature. The topics can be random, but they're relevant with what's going on in the world today. Tonight, we are discussing rebuilding a crumbling city to prominence, cheating teachers, and afterwards, if time allows, we'll get into some zone coverage and talk a little sports. The call-in number to step on your soapbox this evening is 347 202-0215. That's 347-202-0215. And if you decide to call in and you get the urge to voice your opinion, then after you connect, hit one on your dial pad. That lets me know that you're ready to speak and places you in the host queue. And please be sure to mute your phone if you're not speaking at the time because background noise picks up really easy over headphones, um, headsets, and cell phone microphones. Now, another way you can contribute to the show is to follow me on Twitter at TalkToQ. 
There is a live tweet chat that occurs during the show, and you can respond to some of the same questions that I'm asking over the air in most cases. Please search and use hashtag T2Q to read and respond to all show tweets. Now, if you want to learn more about me, the show, or the show legends, then journey on over to TalkToQ.com. And if you can't listen to the entire show live, then you can find T2Q on iTunes and pick up where you left off. Maintenance complete. T2Q radio show number 463 starts right after this word from my official sponsor, Truth Devour. From the Enigma series comes the contemporary romantic trilogy by author Truth Devour. Wanton, the winner of the L.A. Book Festival romance category, is the first book in the trilogy that will get your heart pumping from the start. This is no ordinary love story. Its depth of range eloquently transitions moods from sexually electrifying to nostalgic to existential. An unforgettable journey which will leave you pleasurably aching for more. If it feels so good loving the wrong person, imagine how wonderful it's going to be when you love the right one. Now is your time. Truth Devour. www.truthdevour.com My thanks to Truth Devour for the book Wanton, for being an official sponsor of the Talk to Q radio show. And how cool is that music? That commercial just so laid back. It just has a nice vibe to it. So, uh, all right. Now, we'll go ahead and get started uh, with the show now. You know, some cities are hurting, okay? Their infrastructure has eroded, and there's nothing left for the citizens. No opportunities for jobs or even recreation. Um, just a shell of a city filled with poverty, crime, and corruption. And my question is, how do, how do you fix that? I mean, yeah, the short answer is to vote, but I'm not talking about from a citizen's point of view. Let's pretend that you're the mayor of a major city filled with crime, a crumbling infrastructure, and citizens who are fleeing for other cities. Where do you start to fix things? The police department? Construction cr- contracts? Where? That's what we're going to get into tonight. And helping me do that, let me go to this Skype caller, which I can only imagine. It's calling from the 248 area code of Detroit, Michigan. Welcome on author and show hostess herself, Crystal Hickerson. Crystal, how's it going? Thank you. How are you? I am doing well. I am doing well. How's the um, ankle healing? It is healing. (laughs) That's the important thing. I am hobbling around without a boot, so that's good. It is, it is. Okay, well, we'll go ahead and kick things off. It's just me and you right now with a couple of other people holding. They can feel free to hit one on their dial pad whenever they're ready to join. And, Crystal, okay, I know you live in Detroit, and Detroit has gone mm-hmm. through its share of um, suffering as of late. And I'm starting to feel like my city here in Jackson, Mississippi, is going through the same thing. Um, now, a lot of people here want to blame the current administration for the problems, but I think the problem started back when he was probably in high school. I mean, things that probably should have been addressed 20 years ago are now, you know, problematic here in this city. 
But what do you think the downfall is of most fallen cities? Uh, like if you had to kind of lay out where do you think Detroit went wrong, where would you start? Um, the infrastructure, jobs, education, crime, where would you start? Well, um, I would say at least for Detroit and probably many other uh, uh, major cities who have gone through major change, um, it's the transition. Uh, we were a city um, that was dealing with, uh, of course, you know, vehicles and transportation, motor vehicles and things of that nature. So you're dealing with factory workers and people who can come out of high school and make, you know, a very good living without a college education of any kind. Mm-hmm. And and they could live very well and continue to live and be accrued upon in their salary as they grew and bring their family and friends into this structure um, just by knowing them. That, that has changed. Uh, now we're dealing in a more techn- technology type of world where you need um you need education, you need uh, actual experience uh, in order to to make it in the business. It's not just factory work anymore. And the same thing, you know, happened for Cleveland and in cities like that where um, steel was their main product, and mm-hmm. which is factory. So that transition from the blue-collar, quote-unquote, worker, with no education except for high school and transitioning into a college-educated worker is hard for a city to take. And that, for me, and and just looking at uh, what Detroit has gone through, that's what their main issue has been, is that transitional period. Okay. I think that was very eloquently stated. Um, I agree with you that it did go from a city where you didn't have to necessarily have a college education to make it to going from, you know, blue collar to white collar and things just kind of changed. And uh, let me go to the 910 area code. The Tar Heel state of North Carolina, but he's making his way to us via the Lone Star state of Texas. He plays the doctor on the radio, Dr. Bobby Willis. How you doing, sir? Hey, what's up, Q? What's going on, Crystal? Hey, Dr. Willis. <laughs> and Bobby, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think, man? What do you think is is the downfall of a lot of these fallen cities we're starting to see in different areas? And also a second question: How do you think some of these cities build up so much debt? Because a lot of them have high taxes. All right. Well, for the first part, and before I give an answer, I want to. Um, Quickly give a shout out to my son. He's listening on, on the show tonight. He was here with me on the last show when he was visiting, so he got really interested. So, uh, big shout out to him. He's holding, so don't don't bring him in yet. <laughs> oh, what's, what's his name? Uh, Elijah. Elijah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, but uh, the first part of that 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 is um is uh, a couple of variables, you know um. You got to think about it. Right now, so many people with college degrees are sitting around looking for a job. So that kind of mm-hmm. push people with high school diplomas and GEDs out the way. You know, uh, um, now it's 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 a it's an employer's market. 
So they can be a little stingy about, you know, um, who they're going to hire and, you know, and things like that. So that, that's, that's, um, no, that's part of the problem right there. Uh, then also, you know, like Chris was saying, technology, uh, driven companies now popping up. You can't just get by on a, a high school diploma. You can barely get by now with, um, with a degree unless it's something you've been doing since you were nine, ten years old. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, that's, that's another, uh, facet to the issue. And, uh, also, you know, just basic, basic education. Especially like in, in rural towns and things like that, you know, if you can't speak the language of business, you know, you're going to get passed over very quickly, you know, and people don't understand how important, you know, just speaking properly is. They don't understand how important, you know, um, you know, dressing apart, excuse me, I was exercising and stuff, but, you know, dressing apart and, uh, you know, all that stuff plays a factor. And if you don't have that, at least that common knowledge to, to know these things, you're going to get passed over. So, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a multifaceted issue. The second part of that question you asked um, was um, how do these cities get get so cash strapped? Well, yeah, I think the biggest problem is that um, a lot of these cities are police states. You know what I mean? When you have a police state, and I don't mean as in state like a state of Mississippi, but a, a state of being. When you have a police state, you know. All that money is going to these, you know, to, to law enforcement, to prisons and things like that. That's eating up a lot of the tax taxpayers' uh, money. You know, they got to pay. They got to pay correction officers. They got to pay cops. They got to pay all these folks. You know, and, and and then also you got greed. You know, you got these guys that are in office and and they want to maintain the status quo, but there's not enough money coming in to maintain the status quo. So they they find themselves borrowing money. They find themselves doing things that, you know, they shouldn't be doing it, and they end up putting their, their city, their towns, their, you know, states in a hole. Yeah, and I think we see evidence of that um, on a regular basis, Bobby. I mean, um, it doesn't make any sense how, you know, some of the cities just stay broke. I mean, regardless of how much they raise taxes, and, I mean, they go further and further in the hole, and this is kind of a shame. And let me go to the 501 area code, the natural state of Arkansas, and bring on Amy. Amy, how are you? Doing all right. How is everybody doing tonight? Doing well, ma'am. Amy, what steps can, I mean, if you're the mayor of a city, I, I, I dub you mayor of insert city here, what steps can you take to turn a city around to restore it to prominence. I mean, where do you start first to fix a city that's broken? Well, you definitely have to start with a good mayor. Um, that's the, the the biggest thing. Um, huh. A mayor. Um, well, I just made you mayor. Well, <laughs> Mayor Amy. And I can't budget money worth a shit. Uh-oh, we're in trouble. <laughs> you picked the wrong girl. <laughs> uh, I will. I will speak on. Uh, I will speak about uh, my own mayor and uh, police chief and uh, sheriff. Um, though um, I do live somewhere that's a little smaller, so we don't have like any big factories or um you know refineries such as crystal does there you know in in detroit um but um definitely the the mayor um who who is who's a city official and 
and is elected um, has to have a good business sense. He has to um, be able to, to budget money. He has to be able to he – has, he has to be on the up and up on um, – and be educated to uh, look at other cities and see how they're thriving, what they're doing, and how they're um, growing. That You can't be closed-minded, um, and you can't just be in it for the power and um, be what we here in Arkansas call a good old boy. Um, and you have to appoint, um, our, our police chief is appointed by the mayor. So you have to definitely appoint a, a police chief who, who cares about the city, who cares about the integrity of his office and the, who has transparency, uh, who's willing to see the people and hear the people's problems, who's, uh, who cares about their, uh, their department's integrity, um, and hiring, hiring officers, um, that are not, you know, out, um, harassing people, um, of any, of, of any race for that matter, um, who are not trigger happy, uh, things, things like that. Um, that's definitely where I would start. And, um, you know, as mayor, um, uh, the first thing you got to do is open your office to, to transparency as well as just the same as the, uh, city police chief. And then you, you know, your county, who uh, has an elected sheriff has got to meet has 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 to have a good relationship with your police chief and the other police chiefs in the other uh, towns in your county uh, to find out okay. you know where um, everybody needs help to make the county as a whole um, right. good good policing. Okay, okay. And um, I didn't know you were going to campaign, but uh, I, I understand. <laughs> I work, I, well, here I work with politics. Matter of fact, I campaigned for our last mayor. Okay. Well, so, Crystal, let me, um, ask you, let me ask your opinion on this, Crystal. Um, and my uncle was as the mayor. As, as, as far as steps that can be taken to turn a city around, um uh, Tell me if you think this idea works. Now, I know this would definitely probably be something different to be done here in my city, but what do you think about the idea of only placing parking meters in area of congestion or high traffic areas, something that would allow people to park freely? You know, do you think that would make them more likely to visit certain parts of downtown areas? You mean not having them in, in um, all of downtown, just in certain places? Well, I mean, they they can be it can be downtown, like in really congested areas where you don't want people just kind of parked up and blocking everything. But um, mm-hmm. you know, they're not always necessary. You have parking meters, and sometimes every available place a person can park down to in most downtown areas. So you think they ought to cut people some slack and certain, you know, and maybe that would encourage some people to come down. Well, you know what. I know what we have here. We have in the downtown area, we have quite a few uh, 
like parking structures and um, parking lots. So mm-hmm. if you didn't want to, usually when I go downtown, I don't use the park on the street where the, you know, the parking meters are because I have to feed the meter. I just go right. to the parking lot, which are much easier. However, I think it's it's best to, I think they do a good job doing it that way um, because the idea is, well, it, we know these people are going to be here. We know there's nowhere else for them to park in order to go to to this restaurant or to visit this art gallery. So, um, we're going to charge it for we'll charge them for it. So I mean that's to me it's just good business sense. <laughs> it's annoying for a lot of the um, the people and and you know when we have events downtown, there's quite a few events that happen in the Detroit area with the sports and everything and, and all that. So sometimes it gets a little a little harried <laughs> when it comes to private parking structures and all that kind of stuff and people you know, taking advantage, but um, I personally think that it's a good idea in order to make money for the city. It's annoying, but it's, you know, it, that's what you that's what you pay mm-hmm. for when you when you live in a metro area. You know when you go downtown, you're going to have to pay for parking, so I don't know. I mean, it's annoying, but I think it's good. Okay, okay, and maybe it depends on the city. Like here, we don't have a lot downtown. Most of everything you need to do is uptown. So when you mm-hmm. do have to go downtown, parking can be a nuisance when you got to come out every hour or two hours, depending on where you park, to put more money in the meter. Um, you know, especially when it's just an hour, that's hardly time to do anything. Um, well, Bobby, let me ask you a question. Um, what about not issuing building permits for new infrastructures when you have older buildings that are available? You know, just because a building is vacant doesn't mean that it's, you know, run down or anything. It may be a good building, but sometimes we'll see cities issue permits for new buildings and they let the old ones just sit and rot. What do you think about that? Well, um, uh, one thing is, uh, is the building, you know, leased out to a company that's not trying to move off of it or, you know, is the building, you know, in a, in a prime location, you know, so these, these things have to be taken into consideration. Um, and, and that's probably the reason why a lot, a lot of times they issue out new, um, new, um, licenses and stuff. So, uh, you know, you have to get the, the, the total story as to why they don't, you know, um, just use the ones that are, that are already there. But I do agree with that. I think that if you do an inspection and find out that the the, the structure is still solid, why not use it? You know, and if it's in a decent or good location, you know, why not? But at the same time, though, that's not to say that whoever's trying to, you know, bring their business into your city is going to like that location. So, you right, know, right. I mean, it, it, it's kind of hard to pinpoint, you know, the problem with that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure some people will tell you, no, they don't want to be in a certain area, and I get that. But I do think as a city it would help if they at least try to push it you know, before they decide to get Even fix so, it up. Yeah. yeah, fix it up if you look appealing. Make them make somebody want to use that building, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. And Amy, and I think this is really important and really is kind of a no brainer. Uh you have to fire staff members who are ineffective. People in office, administrators, whatever, people who aren't basically making things happen. 
you got to fire them. I mean, that's like should be step number one in probably in most cases. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, um, you know, as I said, um, in in our, um, you know, where I live, which is, you know, what I can speak to as best, our, our mayor is elected and our mayor appoints our police chief and our um sheriff is 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 elected but you know like our sheriff's department um they have chiefs and lieutenants and deputies so yeah um when they have officers who are not doing their jobs and and not um uh you know doing things that are helping uh the community and the county thrive, then, um, yes, you, you definitely have to get rid of them. One of the biggest things, um, for us is, you know, definitely getting a, a police, it's, it's definitely getting a police chief to, um, to upgrade all of our systems, um, you know, and, um, a, one that will look into grants and, um, apply for those grants that can, right. can update our 911 system and, and our, um, uh, make special task force, um, our, um, our police chief did a thing where he, um, uh, brought in, instead of having to deal with, one county over, which is Little Rock's Pulaski County for me, um, their um, computer crimes, um, the, the uh, like child sex predators um, on the Internet, um, that was something that he did. Um, and he has also, you know, like I said, applied for grants and things that have up, really updated and upgraded all of our stuff that was so old and we were just so ancient and behind the times um, okay. with all the, you know, inner workings of the, the police department. And it definitely makes a difference um, upgrading systems, so I agree with you there. Um, let's see. Three four seven two zero two zero two one five is the number. On the, uh, okay. Three four seven two zero two zero two one five is the number on the Top of Q Radio Show. Brought to you by the award-winning indie author Truth Devour. Check out the book Wanton on Amazon.com. Let me go to the six hundred one area code the bold new city of Jackson, Mississippi, and bring on Eminem. Eminem, what's happening? Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? What's up, man? Eminem, this is something I'm on the fence about. And um, on Twitter, Crystal said that it's working in Detroit. Um, but I'm on the fence about it. How do you feel about cities subsidizing business development? Um, just like we look at in Canton, Mississippi, they wanted Nissan, so they gave Nissan a ton of incentives and tax breaks where they can basically build for free, um, you know, in their city, not knowing if they're going to stay, you know, for an adequate amount of time or, you know, or, or close the, the factory someday. I mean, they, they really didn't have many guarantees. 
But how do you feel about subsidizing? Because on one hand, you're getting a corporation in your city, but on the other hand, you're giving up all your tax money. Well, um, that's, well, I, I'm not saying it doesn't work, but that's kind of, that's one of them things where that could be fool's gold. And, and what I mean is, is, is basically the way you just described it. You know, it was like, okay, it might not seem as bad the one, two, three, four, five, six years, maybe even ten years that that particular corporation is there and thriving, but as soon as they get ready to pull the plug, uh, this shit is going to probably be worse than it was before they came. So, you know, um, that's the only risk of that. You know, I'm not saying it won't be any success stories, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Um, what what I favor is, is something that's similar but more like low risk, the ones that don't really uh, affect a lot of things. Uh, I kind of caught the tail end because I'm, I'm not sure the full um, uh, comments on it, but like uh, you take here in here in Jackson, like it's uh, it's actually something I'm trying to get did now. Me and another guy with a park that we practice at that's pretty much dilapidated. Where basically, if we get permission, you know, we'll raise the funds to try to get certain things did including getting a football field built at our own expense, just having permission. Um, I, I think some of the things that might help on a l- much smaller scale is where you take, like, sections of a city that's pretty much, um, you know, gone to nothing, and it's yeah. basically going to be just a big rat haven. You know, you just basically – uh, I kind of call it addition by subtraction. You're not getting taxes off that anyway. So if there's a building, and let, let's just say this was, you know, 30, 40 years ago, and there was no Internet radio, but you want a radio station, all you needed was, like, you know, just a small amount of space. So if somebody said, well, here's a building that's falling apart, but if you're willing to invest your own money, money in it, you know, basically you had to go ahead to get it done, you know. So, uh I think in in a in a smaller sense that those type of incentives will actually uh make the communities a lot stronger because the common guy can be like, Well, hey, I always want a barber shop and this building across from me uh is falling down but you know, if I take four, five, six thousand dollars of my own money and, you know, halfway get it uh, uh, back in workable condition and, and pay the utilities, I basically stay there rent-free. And you multiply that times multiple people, well, hey, you, you know, uh, you'll slowly start generating a, a functional tax base, but corporations are kind of more risky because they, it, it's like a boom or bust type thing with a corporation, but on a smaller scale, it's kind of like, you know, uh the people that they use to take on the smaller projects are actually people who probably not going to leave anyway. Okay. And all right. Now, Crystal having heard what Eminem was just um, referring to and, and going back to your Twitter statement, do you agree that you can take a risk in doing something like this or that you, you are willing to forfeit uh, very valuable valuable tax dollars when you give these incentives. 
Well, you know, um, everything is not um, so cut and dry, and it um, depends on the city that you're in. Uh-huh. Depends on the type of um, companies and corporations <clears throat> that you're trying to attract. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of corporations that are are coming uh, to the Detroit area and have committed to this area are, um, you know, we're looking at engineering companies. You, we're, mm-hmm. you know, we're looking at, you know, uh, technology technology type of companies, computers, banking, uh, who are bringing their headquarters here and opening up factories. But that's because this is where the engineers are. (laughs) This is where these people already are because they've been here for so many years uh, working in the factories and working in the corporations. Um, uh, Chrysler is here, you know, uh, Ford and, and, uh, you know, GM. So, these people are already here or they want to come back here because they left when, you know, things got kind of bad. So bringing those types of people and corporations here, that does work for them because they know that it's a long-term situation. It's it's not going to be where they'll come, hang out for a little bit, and leave. They're not going anywhere. If they can get here and give an incentive to, to come um, and to say, this is, we're trying to make it work, then yeah, it's it's going it's going you know to work because the people like I said are already here, and you have the universities that are you know putting these people out. So you have to think about the area you're in, and the population, and and who is actually here and who would want to to be in in that particular area. So it doesn't work for every city. Uh huh. Um, it, it it you have to like I said look at the um, structure of the corporations and and. Are those the type? Are you are you looking for major corporations? Or are you looking for small people, town people, to build their main street? You know, so it it just depends. Okay, very interesting, very interesting. Like I said, I'm on the fence about it. I can see the good and the bad definitely um, on this. All right, we're gonna take a quick break and hear from one of my sponsors, uh, TaxPro1000.com. So I'll be back in a minute or two. Do you need to file a tax extension? We can help for free. Simply request a tax extension permission form at extension request at taxpro1000.com. After filling it out, upload it to your free, safe online portal that we will set up for you. Our experienced staff of tax accountants will then send you confirmation that your federal and state's tax extensions are filed. It is just that easy. When you're ready to have your taxes prepared, you'll find TaxPro 1000 Tax Center's prices to be some of the best in the tax industry. In most cases, we can even deduct our low tax preparation fee from your refund. Our prices are 150 to 250 depending on the number of your tax forms. If questions or to speak with our friendly staff, please call us at 800-687-4187 free. Hi, everybody. I'm D. Wright, CEO of Unapologetic Radio, and you're listening to the Talk to Q Radio Show. No experts, just opinions. Back to uh, what is that? 1988, the first black heavy metal band I can recall, Living Color, had a song called "Open Letter to a Landlord." 
talking about how cities are kind of run down so they can be revitalized and profitized. 347-202-0215 is the number on the Talk to Q radio show, brought to you by Truth Devour. Uh, let me go back to the phones, and welcome to the 850 area code, the Emerald Coastline of Pensacola, Florida. My man, Buck, Buck what's happening? What up, what up? How's everybody doing this evening? Doing well, man. How's it going? Just dealing with some heavy torrential downpours here tonight, so uh, okay. other than that, everything else going pretty good. That's good, man. But what would you do first if you're the mayor of a city? I, I just dubbed you mayor of a city. Uh, what do you do first? Do you stop crime? Do you create maybe an entertainment venue for people to, you know, like if it, if you build it, they will come type of thing? Do you try to increase the job market? What do you do first? Well, it depends on the city. Um, I know if, if well, you know, every city is different, but I'm going to do this from a, from a Pensacola standpoint so that way you understand because every, every area is different. Um, in Pensacola, I would go with, I would work with the job market first. And the reason I say job market because there's not enough industry in the area. Um, everybody can't work at Walmart and Target, um, Kmart, what have you, and um, in, in fast food restaurants. You have to get industry in the town. And I know this is one of them southern cities where they don't like a lot of new, you know, new age stuff. But really that's what you need to bring to the area if you really want it to thrive. Because when you drive around Pensacola, you have a lot of empty buildings. So buildings need to be full. They need to have young entrepreneurial spirits. Um, we need to have, you know, being next to the mobile, it being a port city, we, we need to be taking advantage of their aerospace and type, things of that nature because it's only like 54 miles between here and Mobile. You can put some of that stuff here, you know, or, or at least drum up interest to where you can actually do some of that here so, therefore, you, you know, the buildings can fill up. Um, next, I will work on the crime here. The crime's not bad here, but it is bad in certain areas, um, you know, mainly in the hood. The hood areas, every place got a hood, and, you know, this – some of those areas need to be patrolled better, so I'd work on that. I wouldn't worry about the uh, the uh, venue as far as a uh, as far as uh, entertainment, because in, entertainment in Pensacola is pretty good. Um, the only thing I would do entertainment-wise is possibly, you know, do something with the Civic Center because it's very old, um, renovated, so that there and make it more, you know more friendly to more different acts other than just rock bands and things of that nature. So that's the way I would approach this area. Um, I heard a little bit what um, what Chris was saying about Detroit. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it is different. So, you know, the roads are pretty in pretty good shape here. So, you know, there need to be some infrastructure jobs as well because you always got to make sure you maintain those, make sure the bridges and roads are maintained. But that would go along, and you know, with the jobs. Jobs being the number one thing that needs to be done in this town, so that way you can, you know, therefore you have more money, you know, you have more money moving around in the city, and there'll be more things going on as far as that goes, and it'll bring up the, uh, you know, median income and so forth. So that's what okay. I would do. Doesn't sound like a bad idea at all, man. What you have in mind, Mayor Buck? Um, I, I mean, I think that. It's, it's difficult to determine where you start, but crime is a problem. Um, and Bobby, let me ask you, uh, you know, drug courts, 
combine judicial supervision with substance abuse treatment. And they're gaining a lot of popularity in some cities as a tool to combat crime and drug use. Uh, Based on a five-year study, we found out that people who took part in drug courts had a lower relapse rate and committed fewer additional crimes. Uh, So do you think, Bobby, that drug courts is some of the answer to help crime? And also, how do you feel about surveillance cameras uh, or making more use of public cameras that are out there on the streets? Mm-hmm. Well, with the, with the drug court thing, anything that's working, I'm all for. So if if that's been proven and um, and it's working, and I think it is, especially out in California, uh, I, I you know I'll be all about implementing that. Uh, as far as like putting cameras cameras out there and or, or you know using those, you know if it's a high crime area, then guess what? I mean, you know if, if this what you're forcing my hand, then that's what I'm going to do. If you're, you know, you're you're um, a resident of that neighborhood and you don't like that, then guess what? You guys police your neighborhood, so I don't have to do it. So I have no problem with that. I'll do that all day, every day. And uh, I know you're not here, but I'm gonna say it anyway. If I if if I had the title of mayor, the first thing I would do is sit down and find out what is eating up my budget. You know, how can we mm-hmm. overhaul that? How can we overhaul that system? All right, I'll bring in a think tank, whatever I need to do. And we'll figure out why is why is so much so much funding going to this area, and what's not working with that. Why is it taking so much? Welfare, all that that stuff will get revamped. It won't go away, but it'll definitely get revamped. If you you know you under the age of of, of fifty and you know you able bodied and things like that, guess what? You got a year. And you know and and you know and then at the end of the year we're gonna sit down. We're gonna figure out. You know, why haven't you been able to get a job, uh, you know, this, in this long? If, if it shows that you haven't been put for death, guess what? You coming off. I'm sorry. You know, yeah. you don't eat things on you. You brought that on yourself. You, you know what your timeline was. You didn't take full advantage of it. Then, you know, that's on you. And, uh, you know, if you don't have some kind of health or mental, you know, um, situation that's been incapacitating you, then you have no excuse in my opinion. And, um Give incentives to these um, these companies in, in my in my town in my city. You know what I'm saying to hire local. You know what I'm saying to, to hire the folks that that don't have a job. You know, true. Um, you know because we give tax breaks for everything else. You know what I'm saying why not give a meaning, meaningful tax break? You know hire hire folks in this neighborhood. That money is going to come right back. You know come back right back around. Everybody's going to sure be will. all better for it. So, you know, that, I think those would be the first two things I would do in office is to overhaul a system that's eating up my budget, and I would definitely revamp, you know, the welfare system. Okay. And, Amy, a lot of people have problems with public surveillance cameras. Uh, they think it's an invasion of privacy. Personally, I feel like public um, surveillance cameras can be a police tool. I mean, you don't need as many police if you have cameras. Um, and when you look at the Boston Marathon, had it not been for cameras, uh, well, granted, some people are from, you know, news teams and all that stuff, but they had surveillance cameras from different buildings that allowed them to basically catch the people who are responsible. So do you like the idea of cameras or do you think that is a violation of privacy? No, I don't think it's a violation of uh, privacy because, you know, unfortunately the bad do ruin it for the good. Um, <clears throat> there, um, of course, you know we have 
cameras all over the place, but um, there is one particular place that we have um, cameras at that the police are able to uh, watch on monitors and stuff because it is a high-traffic teen area, and um, they want to make sure that um, and it's it, it's also uh, an area that has had problems, you know, with mm, criminal activity, and um, so you know they want to make sure teens are not skipping school because it it is it is a place that's very well. As a matter of fact, it's across the street from the school, but. Um, you know, make sure teens aren't aren't truant from school. They're not skipping school, and they're not doing drugs there. They're not um, selling drugs there. Um, you know, things like that, and, and not just teens. Um, you know, older people as well selling to to kids. So I think that I mean, yeah, the the cameras in areas that tend to. Um, there tends to be known criminal activity going on that, you know, it helps because you only have so many officers and and so much of a town and, and right. your officers can't be everywhere. So I agree. I agree. We definitely have a shortage in our capital city here of um officers. Um and and speaking of cops, M and M I mean, what about hot spot policing? And when I say hot spot policing, I mean policing the areas you know that they have known crime. If you know a neighborhood is a bad neighborhood, then park a police car and make it a good neighborhood. I mean, is it just that simple or is it more to it? Am I being naive here? Well, I mean, actually it's just that simple. But it's just that um, one thing that, that, that pretty much happens in, in, in um and you know i'm i'm a actual witness of this literally as we speak is how like once the tax base leave and once the upper echelon working middle class kind of leaves the area well people tend to get lax for some reason and uh and uh well you know a lot of it is the public's fault but at the same time when an officer takes an oath you know, he can't have an attitude like, well, you know, if the people don't care, I don't care. Uh, it's it's one of those things like, you know, you got to do your job regardless, you know. Yeah, at one time, you know, 30 years ago, maybe it was, um, you know, 100 people at a city council meeting concerning certain issues or whatever, and the cops will feel like, well, yeah, we need to definitely pay more attention to that because we see you guys care. Where now it might not be, but you know, five. But at the same time, if you're sworn in, you can't just eat, you know, jelly donuts all day and drink coffee. You got to do something, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, but the best deterrent is is not only just basically visualization, but see, it, like I say, every city is different. But one thing that I can uh, definitely speak for as a taxpayer in Jackson uh, is. Uh, the, the best thing that happened here happened about five or six years ago, and the worst thing happened was a few years later when they stopped using it. They had cameras uh, 
up everywhere, right? And the thing was, a lot of times they were using it for traffic. But now I don't agree with necessarily the, 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 the uh, police and the traffic and, you know, every five minutes somebody getting a ticket. But it definitely helps reduce violent crime where people are committing something and on the run. If you jack somebody's car and you're driving, well, you know, they're looking at you. That helps. And um, any urban area that's got a lot of high-violent crime, you know, such as this area, you know, it helps the citizens because, you know, you know, people try to make fun of that, you know, that no-snitch stuff, but it's just like, well, if you have uh, a police force, not, and this is not demonizing every cop, but if you have police force that you don't really think that cares, then as a citizen, you're not going to be so quick to say, yeah, I saw that guy do that. Because you know that shit, they ain't going to protect your ass. You do that, you're going to be one shot up. So you get them damn cameras up, you're like, you don't have to have nobody witnesses. Like, we're looking at your ass doing this. Right, you know. Right. So, but, so between um, the best thing that most cities can do with a bad budget is to instead of, okay, like, I, I know the clock get ready to tick in a second, but look, yeah. <laughs> if, 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 if I could make a change right now, somebody said, well, look, man, what would you rather do? Hire 25 more police or hire or either install, like, some type of technology that would be equal to damn near 25 police salaries. I'm going to go with technology all day long because you get that technology right. Matter of fact, if uh, – if 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 I was a mayor or, or and can have some input in it, I'd be like, well, look, man, we'll pay, you know, hundred fifty thousand to three hundred fifty thousand dollars, and I'll pay one dude uh, to just fly little mini drones throughout the city to help to help the cops out. Something break out soon as I mean, soon as nine one one call, that damn drone is up in the air with a camera pinpointing everywhere and it's like yeah and it's got a you got a vivid description of the suspect the shit taking pictures of his ass everything your conviction rates will skyrocket and once your conviction rate skyrocket with no no shadow of a doubt that is him that's ass on camera the glass is still coming off his pants when you're coming out them folks window you will see this shit drop and uh, a lot of stuff would improve but I think that most cities that's run down one of the reasons somebody said it uh, I don't know if it's Buck or Bobby, but technology has a lot to do with it, you know. Uh, in, anytime you're behind on technology, I know technology is not cheap, but anytime you're behind on technology, it tends to breed certain things that are not problems where technology is more prevalent. Okay. I appreciate that dissertation, sir. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, yeah, you made some good points in there. Um, I, I think technology definitely helps. It makes things easier. Um, they can also install more cop and kid programs. A lot of people may be afraid to do that now. But um, I think you have to try to start to build a relationship between cops and kids even more now being that every day there's something posted on Facebook for cop shooting or running over someone. And um, 
more foster parents would help as well as far as crime because group homes aren't necessarily like families like foster homes can be um, if done correctly. So those are some things I think that should be done. But um, a couple other, and I stress the word, quick questions. Uh, Crystal, back to you. Do you think surrounding cities are obligated to help, even if it's just maybe with ideas? I mean, don't they benefit by having all the cities in the area thriving? Well, yeah, I mean, I think so. The um, If you're living in a metro area like here, um, it does work when the suburban areas or cities are um, working together. In mm-hmm. actuality, that's not really happening right now. <laughs> In Detroit, we have some sort of um, what's the word? A competition or something going on between the suburbs uh-huh. and the, um, the the metro area or the, the the main downtown city area of Wayne County, which is Detroit. Mm-hmm. And and I think it has a lot to do with money because the Oakland County area, which is where the, the suburbs are, are and they have they have a lot more money <laughs> and they have a lot right. more. And that's where the people, the corporations and um, CEOs, that they live in Oakland County and they work in Wayne County. So, um, so there's kind of a competition and things going on. But the only way um, for, I mean, if you if you have a, a an area like that, you want the people who are living in the suburban areas to. Um, you do have a say in what goes on in the metro or the the main city area because that's where we work, that's where we play, um, at, you know, that's where we spend our money when we when we go to uh, restaurants and you know concerts and things like that. So it is you should have some sort of um, a good working environment together, and um, I think it's there trying to make it better but sometimes that doesn't always work better work as good and I think in some cities like and I can only speculate like Chicago looking from the outside they seem to have a, a pretty good working area for the suburb suburban area and in the, in the actual city so it just depends but um, but to answer your question yes they should work together okay and last one on the topic, Bobby. I mean, can you can you allow a city to basically go bankrupt and then just start over, or should it never get to that point? Should something be done to prevent it to get into the point where you just throw your hands up and say, you know what, let it just hit rock bottom and we'll start over? I think it uh, should never get to that point. But you know, I mean, like I said, in some in some cases, you know, you just can't help it. I mean, you got. You got, you know, these these bills that the city has to pay, you know, and these um these programs, these benefit programs that are very much needed that's gotta get paid for. The thing is is um, you know, how are you managing this, this, this city? You know, um I think that's that's the key question that comes into focus. Um is, is how are you managing, you know, um, you know, can, can you balance the budget? If not, can you get the right people in place to do so? I don't necessarily think that you know the 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 person that you hire as a mayor and all that got to be that proficient, but he got to he got to you know if he's not he he got to have the right or she 
got to have the right people in place who can do that job. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that that's the main thing. But when, I think I think that if you set if you set a um, what's the word I'm looking for here? I want to say a baseline. Well, maybe yeah, a baseline. If you set a baseline, and if your budget starts dipping or getting closer, even if even with these bills and stuff you got to pay. If it but you start getting close to that baseline, then you know you you have to at, at some at some point say you know what, what can we do without today? You know what can what can we um, you know what can we afford to lose? I mean I I, I know every mayor or whatever will tell you they can't afford to lose any of it, but you know what I'm saying something's got to give. And so you know I think a city should never get to the point where you know it's 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 almost bankrupt, and and you can't really afford to throw your hands up and say, you know what, forget it, I'm gonna let it go bankrupt and start over. Right. Guess what? When you start over, you still gotta like, uh, you still gotta pay these folks. It's not it's not even so much as this, um, you know, they're going bankrupt, bankrupt from uh, things that they can they can fix or do away with. But what's bankrupt what's bankrupt in the city is these programs, you know, what I'm saying welfare, you know, uh, Medicaid, you know, all these things, you know. Is what's bankrupt in the city. They can't just say, "Okay, I'm not going to pay that you know this month," because there are people depend on that. You know what I mean? Okay, very good points. And um, well, I, I think when it's all said and done, um, rebuilding a city is a lot of work. I mean, based on the responses all of you have given this evening, um, all of the examples, it's a lot of work. And no one thing can just turn it around, but you have to start somewhere. Um, I think cities really need to focus on just trying to do what's best for the city instead of what sounds good. You know, there are opportunities to where maybe you can put people in some of these abandoned homes or abandoned buildings that may be in good condition without having to, you know, build somewhere else and take up some other space while you have just, you know, the other places turn into an eyesore eventually. I think that you have to get serious about crime and stop doing the same thing and expecting different results. Um, And that's what my city here in Jackson does more than anything. They just keep doing the same thing. They run the same five cops out there um, and expect things to change. Um, We never seem to have enough police. Um, We never have enough police presence or visibility in the high crime areas and crime has really gotten out of hand. I mean, even though crime may not be increased here in Jackson, the violent crime seems like it's, it's increased. I mean, at one point, the only crimes you really heard about was someone getting mad at his woman or she got mad at him and someone ends up getting shot or stabbed. But now it's to the point that people are getting snatched out of the cars and shot. And that's Chicago type of crime, and that's something that I don't think anybody really wants in their city. And so, you know, it starts with us voting. We do have to vote and try to make good decisions um, as far as who we put into office, and we have to give them an opportunity to do it. We can't just come up and complain after a year that things are not getting done when, you know, it took a long time for these problems to occur. So we have to be able to give them a fair opportunity and evaluate them then. So whether it's from broken water mains to potholes to crime, uh, we just have to do it, whatever we have to do to try to get the city back and rebuild it to what it needs to be. So I'll just leave it at that.
Oops. I'm sorry. Flashback <laughs> to the 80s. <laughs> Flashback to the 80s right there. Oh, man. 347-202-0215 is the number on the Top of the Q radio show. Woke you all up a little bit. Brought to you by the top indie author, Truth Devour. Uh, this story, I mean, there were nine... We, it's, it's something that's been in the news for a minute, but it's been getting a lot of run as of late because of some of the circumstances. There were nine school officials in Atlanta who have been sentenced to prison following convictions for participating in a, um exam cheating scandal. Okay, now three of those convicted received 20-year sentences. Okay, um, evidence of cheating was at, uncovered at 44 schools. There were nearly 180 officials in, evo- involved. Now, the state-led investigation shocked the city when it discovered that officials at the schools um, had encouraged teachers to change students' answers in order to demonstrate educational progress. Those convicted of 20-year sentences were served seven years behind bars and yet 13 years on probation. Now, some were ordered to return the bonuses they had been given based on the um, test results, and I, I completely get that. But, Amy, I'll start with you on this. Seven years in jail and 13 years of probation for changing test scores. I mean, does that punishment fit the crime to you? Well, um, you know, I, I, does this fall under uh, under a state-level crime or does it fall under a federal-level crime? I mean, I think it's a crime against my child, uh first and foremost, to, um, you know, think that she's more educated than than what she is and, you know, you know, makes me think of um, the whole no child left behind motto. Um, you know, these schools, they get more money for um, higher education, you know, the their test scores and mm-hmm. and things like that that are are higher. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that's like that that that. Well, yeah, that is a federal offense because you're talking you're talking about money. Money definitely is the motivation and the issue. It's it's not about these these kids and their education and 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 what have you. It's about these schools being to being able to get. You know more money um into their uh, into their schools um you right. know and 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 duping the uh, the the people who who give this money into thinking that they've got these educated kids that they don't have so okay. yeah um I would definitely be pissed as a parent um and uh, yeah throw them in jail because that's 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 strong. All right, and seven years. Shit. Yeah, but what do you think, man? Seven years for changing test scores and thirteen years of probation. Um, I mean, it is doing a disservice to the to the kids. Um, it's also doing a disservice to the community because these kids are going to get, you know, eventually graduate and not be qualified to do some things. Um, I mean, is that a fair punishment for the crime? 
I think some more punishment needs to be administered. I mean, these teachers from the onset have said they were forced into that situation. Now, you know, my thing is I understand that, you know, the teachers know the difference between right and wrong, so I do believe that they need to serve some punishment. But seven years for cheating test scores, I think it's a touch much. I think some of the higher administrators that forced them to do those types of things need need to be getting the higher punishment than the teachers. The teachers are already working under heavy pressure with today's kids being on medication, you know, possibly getting shot at, stabbed, and everything else. My mom was a school teacher for, you know, almost 40 years, so I understand that, I understand the uh, the pressure that the teachers are under. But at the same time, I mean, if these administrators were telling these teachers that they had to do these things to, you know, in order for them to keep their jobs, I think that's something they need to look at. The teachers you know, if the teachers turn state evidence, they don't need to be doing seven years, you know, in jail for cheating test scores. I think some of these damn principals and so forth, you know, faculty members up in the, in the higher echelon of the power need to be punished as well as the teachers. Okay. Crystal, I'll let you get your two cents on it. Well, I agree with what everybody was saying. Um, I think it's a little steep in the punishment and um, I think they do need to look at the practices and the pressure that is put on to the teachers to uh, make them um, have to resort to these kinds of measures. Although, you know, of course, you know, ultimately it does boil down to you making the decision to do that as opposed to you know, trying to figure out another way to get your test scores up with your kids. But um, I think the actual punishment is a little high. Okay. And, Bobby, if you're a teacher in that school system, do you expose the administration? Or do you just kind of go along with the flow and hope y'all don't get caught? You know what? Um, about prior to getting caught and all that? Yeah, I would. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I mean, I could sit here and say what I would do. You know, not being in that situation, uh, I think what I would do is probably just not simply. I simply wouldn't participate. I would just take my chances. If uh, you know, if I don't get these kids up to a level they want, just off of my pure teaching ability, then you know, I risk that. I don't think I would. Um, I would do any cheating personally. Um, and I don't know if I would even expose the. You know, if if it was going on. Uh, you know. I can sit here and like say you get an answer that yeah I'll tell them but I don't know you know what I'm saying uh, uh, it's one of those things but when you're in a in a hierarchical system like like a school the military and things like that it's 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 not easy to say okay what you won't do you know as far as like um, disobeying some kind of order or you know going against the grain or whatever because they will find a way to like you know to ruin your livelihood and these folks know that so you know either you're gonna take your chance, like I said, and do the right thing, and hopefully you'll get your kids up to par, or you're going to, um, you know, jump on board and, and, and do the little, uh, the scandal, be a part of the scandal. You know, it, it's a tough call to make, especially when it's your livelihood on the line. My thing is this, though. I think that a lot of them still, you know, they're mad that, you know, the system is, is bad, and <laughs> we're getting attacked. I hate to say that. I don't want to sound racist. I don't want to sound like conspiracy. But I feel we're getting attacked from every angle. You got 
you know, you got these young white teachers out here having sex with kids. You know, that's a federal crime, too. That's, that's freaking pedophilia. That's whatever you name it. But guess what? They get a slap on the wrist and back into the schools where they can do it again. You know, nobody seems to be worried about that or say nothing. But you get mm-hmm. a bunch of, you know, teachers, you know, changing test scores and stuff, trying to freaking uh, meet some standard that they know they can't live up to because of the kids that they have to work with. Guess what? Now we're gonna find we're gonna find a way to make this thing even more than what it is. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna charge you guys a racketeering. That's how they get into uh, these years on them because they're not. It's not so much as the cheating itself. Now they're charging them with racketeering. That's why they. That's why the year they're getting so many years. You know, and and it's bad that they're going after them for that. Like I said, when you got these other teachers, that I looked at the article today. There's about a hundred schools, one hundred schools across America right now involved in cheating scandals. However, Atlanta is the face of the problem, and they're the ones who are getting drugged through the mud because these other schools, guess what? They're, they're not all, you know what I'm saying, they don't look like us, you know? And that's a problem for me. Now, if this was across the board and they did this for, you know, pedophiles, they did this for, you know, teachers that, that hit kids and send them off jail, so if that was across the board, I would have no problem with this. But these folks are getting singled out, and I think it's a whole lot more than just cheating. And that's a lot. That's a bigger issue. These, these folks still mad. And I'm like, Obama's on this way out the door. Y'all got to get over that shit. Leave it alone. I mean, that's my opinion, you know. Okay. And Eminem, um, I, I mean, we see this time and time again how the justice system is inconsistent with their sentencing. It's different from city to city, state to state. And to me, I feel like if uh, I'm kind of like Bobby, if I'm in a position where I'm a teacher and I have to make a decision on risking my job or risking going to jail, um, it's a tough decision. Now, I would probably, you know, risk my job first before I risk going to jail because I ain't built for jail. But you never know what you might do in a situation and you never know how bad a situation can be. But Eminem, do you think if the teachers knew that there was a possibility they would actually do jail time for changing the test score? that none of them probably would have participated. Oh, yeah, that, I'm glad you asked me that because that's exactly what the deal was. I mean, I mean, the same way we're pretty much in awe hearing about the, the amount of jail time is the same way they would be if they even knew of that. I mean, all they thinking is like, okay, worst-case scenario, uh, you know, it's, it's said, and then if it's coming down from one of your superiors, you're thinking, okay, well, something might happen to them. They might get fired, terminated, you know, re reassigned or demoted from a superintendent down to a building principal or something like that. But you ain't thinking no damn jail time, like, because, like, uh, a couple of comments earlier, you know, you know, schools always have cases of, uh, you know, what you call legit jail shit, you know. Uh, uh, pedophilia, uh, you know, some type of abuse or inappropriate relationships, the whole nine, and and you know, thirteen years of probation, and all that shit. They didn't give the uh, the couple at the original high school that for the the, the 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 teacher couple that was fucking one of the students. I mean, I'm just saying, you know. So it's just True. like I'm just like, so you saying just because I changed this from a damn F to a D. I'm getting seven years, but the the biggest issue with this is something that started, it probably started about 20 years ago. 
when, uh, see, the teaching learning process is an art form, and you can't make the corporate structure fit education. They try to turn it into some type of, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, result-driven, you know, bar graphs, this is where we are now, that's where. Yeah, you have to have certain data like that, but that don't really fit education. And when you start mixing incentives and money and all that stuff, you start to corrupt it. Teaching is no different than uh, uh, re- religion in its purest form. No, no particular type of religion, but just saying, I mean, anything that's, when, when someone says they want to be a teacher, that's saying that they genuinely want to educate a child. They genuinely like to share different stuff. You know, you corrupt it when you start monetizing different things. And when they start implementing all this type of shit on it, the educational system has getting worse and worse and worse. Now, the public schools always get the bad rap, especially the, the, the ones in, you know, the urban areas and that kind of stuff. But just as a whole, education should be hands-off. I mean, that's no different than one time I think we had a topic way back about churches making deals with Walmart and stuff. I mean, it's just like it's a line at a certain point because now you're going to have such a conflict of interest. Um uh, that's one of the problems that was going on in JPS is where the state were saying, uh, because of some new thing a couple of years ago, that if you have a certain amount of attendance and because money was being issued for food and everything else, that you could have to start laying teachers off. So guess what? Kids that should have been suspended, had to come back to school. So that principal had to make a decision. Should I be should I uh should I be uh fine basically uh and and start losing staff or should I just lift some of these suspensions? And on the outside looking in people say, Oh, they just letting the kids run round. I said, Well people knew all the bullshit that was going on on paper, you'll see what's done happen. So that's what I'm saying. They gotta take this corporate shit off of Education. Education is a pure art form. You know, grasshopper, learn from your sensei. I mean, that's how education should be. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, you know, you can't talk, turn around. You can't turn this shit to Wall Street like if the Dow is up, they're they all make money and all that shit, man. You can't do that with with teachers. you got to let that just be a pure thing. And it's so much pressure. It is so much pressure that... Uh, you know, meeting this and meeting that, that the the, the pure essence of, of teaching learning process has totally been destroyed. And that's the real problem, you know. But I, I, agree. I definitely agree with Bobby on the other shit, though. I mean, it's like, you know, case after case, you know, high in the head, you get seven years, 13 years probation. Hell, the same students that go into that school that's going to end up killing somebody ain't going to get that kind of time. That's fucked up. It is, man, and it just goes to show that this is some of that new math we hear about in schools. I mean, if you turn an F into a D, then you get seven years. But if you F a D, you only get two years. And if you're Mary Kay Letourneau, you get an interview on 2020. I ain't saying you don't screw. Screwing's cool. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let me get ready to wrap things up. 
Um, first of all, I have to let's see. Go ahead and say we not we lost another uh, legend, or at least another icon. Percy Sledge, dead at the age of 73. Uh, to be honest with you, I thought Percy, Percy Sledge was older than 73. But um, he passed away yeah, today. You all probably remember his song, his most popular song, When a Man Loves a Woman. Uh, what, 49 years ago, back in 1966, when that song debuted. So uh, another icon gone by the wayside. Percy Sledge. All right, on tomorrow's show, Wednesday, April 15th, Tax Day. Um, I'm not going to discuss anything related to taxes. Um, I was originally going to discuss the selfie stick phenomenon, but I pushed that show back to next week because uh, I wanted to discuss something else instead. A GOP representative in Missouri is pushing a House bill that would restrict certain foods for people on food stamps. Is it fair or foul to tell someone they're too poor to eat certain foods? We'll discuss that tomorrow on the show entitled No Steak for You on the Talk to Q Radio Show. No experts, just opinions. Brought to you by Truth Devour, my official sponsor. Okay, do some final thoughts. And um, after the final thoughts, we get into some zone coverage, talk a little sports for a bit. So final thoughts. And Crystal, I'll start with you. Okay, very good show. Um, regarding uh, cities and the infrastructure and making them better, again, as you can hear, there's so many different ways to do that. There's no special way for each city. It has to be different uh, depending on where you are geographically and all that. Um, what was the other topic? Uh, the teachers in Atlanta. Oh yeah, the teachers. Yeah, like I said, it's um very um you know, when you when you te- when you're talking about your job based on the scores of the kids and there's no sometimes there's just, depending on the type of kids, depending on the it's so many variables there. You got the environment, where they're coming from, what they're waking up to, what they're going home to, um, what happens to them between and getting home, it's hard to take that child who may have not have had anything to eat and and all of that to learn and to focus. And then your job is, is um, based on teaching them when most of the time you're spending it just trying to get them to calm down to sit there for an hour or not kill each other, or you. <laughs> so, you know, it's really hard to base your your position on that. And so, unfortunately, sometimes you have to take matters into your own hands or you feel you need to. So that's, that's such a shame when that happens. But it does happen in many different levels on many different career paths. Um Anyway, very good show, and hope you guys enjoy zone coverage. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> Guess that means she's not going to participate. <laughs> no. All right. Amy? 
great show tonight. Um, you know, we all live, uh, all of us show legends live in different, um, you know, size cities. So um, it's interesting, you know, to hear everybody speak on on what they, you know, are are familiar with. Um, I, uh, you definitely need to research who you vote in as your mayor, and make sure that you. You vote someone in who who cares about the city. Um, when you have a mayor who, who who doesn't give a shit about the city, police chief, sheriff, uh, that, you know, just don't care, then that's when you, you know, you do go bankrupt, and you, and you can't let... Um, let a city like that go bankrupt. Um, you know, when my uncle was elected mayor, he came in on top of a mayor that was um, taking the city taxpayers' money and uh, driving the city car to Razorback games. Uh, you know, and the city, uh, you know, we just didn't do nothing. You know, we didn't have a sheriff that was worth a shit. We didn't have a police chief that was worth a shit. And my uncle's first day on the job, he came in, and his first meeting was with three little skater kids. And they said, Mr. Mayor, we don't have a place to skate. We would like to have a place to skate. And that man who can budget a buck like you wouldn't believe dug money and found money the city didn't even know they had and built those kids a skate park. And it's been, you know, um, enjoy and re totally redid our park and, um, you know, that's being in enjoyed now. Uh, so yeah, you can't let you can't let a, a city just fall, you know, just to to the good old boys and to to a good old boy system where people are just in it for the power. Um, the situation with the uh, Atlanta teachers, um, you know, I think that I agree with what Buck said, and I kind of look at at it as like the drug dealing business. Um, you know, you got your drug runners, you got your drug dealer, and you got your drug supplier. And while they're all guilty, I'm probably going to be give the drug runner a lesser sentence than I am the drug dealer or the drug supplier. It's I definitely, uh, it's definitely, you know, a, a, a step up. It's, it, it's a ladder process, and you know, these people that are making these teachers do this, who are all involved in this big conspiracy, yeah, take them all down. They deserve to go down, but you know, you got to go. You got you got to start with a minnow to catch a big fish. So I agree. Um, but um, enjoyed the enjoyed the show tonight and and hearing everybody's everybody's thoughts on everything. And um, I guess I will probably talk to you all tomorrow night. Thank you very much, ma'am. I appreciate it. And Doctor Willis. Well, uh, you know, as usual, great show tonight. Um, as far as the mayor's situation is concerned, 
Uh, you know, I'm outside looking at it. I've been in Mississippi for a long time as far as, you know, living there. So you guys may uh, may have a different perspective. But I think Mississippi lost a great mayor when they, when they lost Frank Milton. Because even though his methods were controversial, I thought they were effective. I mean, and like I said, that's me just on the outside looking in. I don't know how it was for you guys who actually lived there and had lived through it. But I, I thought that was, you know, he could have done some great things for um, Jackson, Mississippi, had he lived a little longer. Now, uh, as far as the, the the teacher situation in Atlanta, I do think that all of them should have been punished. Um, you know, what they're doing doesn't help, you know, uh, those kids down there at all. However, though, the, punish, the punishment is draconian. It's not right. It's not fair because they don't apply it across the board. You know, they're... Um, you know, they're using these teachers as the face of whatever, you know, message that they're trying to get across. I mean, personally, I think I see it loud and clear, but, you know, that's just my own little personal, you know, opinion about that. I think that uh, they should have been fired or maybe, you know, um, you know, or maybe even, you know, not allowed to teach again ever, you know. But as far as throwing them in jail for, you know, that many years, I don't agree with that especially when you got, you know, these teachers out here having sex with, you know, underage students and stuff, and then they're going to slap on the wrist and, you know, sent back into the school system. One judge gave uh, a teacher a light sentence and called her candy. I, uh, you know, I can't remember what, where I read that at, but that was, that was crazy to me. But, you know, these teachers, they're going to jail for, you know, a good portion of their life. So, you know, I don't agree with that. Um, outside of that, though, you know, like I said, good show, and uh, it's always good to chop it up with the show legends and uh, and also to chop it up with you, Q. So, you know, keep doing your thing, brother. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. All right. But. Great show tonight. I missed the first, first part of it. Be here. Was part of Everything was good as always. Um, when it comes to cities, you know, and how things are run, how things are done. We have to make sure that we make decisions. And like you said, it begins at the, at the polls. We got to start showing up if we want some change. Um, bottom line, a lot of us don't show up for various reasons or make excuses because you don't like who's running, but we got to make a choice. So therefore we can get the right, right people in place. And it really starts at the, you know, the state and local levels because that's what the, those are the rules that we live by on a day-to-day basis. And if we want some immediate change, that's where it starts. I mean, the president, you know, he can only do so much. But, you know, we have to look at our state and local governments, and that's where it starts. And every damn election that we have in these, in, these, in our state and local areas, we need to be a part of to make these changes. Um, and we just get, that's where it starts. Um, so, you know, bringing industry in different areas, bringing Bringing you know create jobs and things of that nature are very important um, in all cities. You know some cities are a little bit worse than others, um, but at the same time, you know we have to start somewhere to make that change, uh, as Michael Jackson would say. But anyway, yeah. it's great as always. Um, looking forward to some song coverage, even though Crystal is not. All right, sir. I appreciate it. And shut it down for me, Eminem. Oh, hold on. I have to unmute Eminem there. Shut it down for me, man. Yeah, man. Fantastic show. Uh, Love the topics. Uh, uh, 
you know, especially the one with uh, education. That was very interesting. Uh, 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 what Bobby said was very insightful on the actual results of it, you know. Uh, matter of fact, I don't think, um, I know a couple of years back they had a big counterfeiting ring going around here, and uh, I don't think they got that that kind of time for that. And, and, you know, counterfeiting money is one of the worst things you can do outside of killing somebody because that's like you really fuck somebody when you pass in counterfeit money. I mean, mm-hmm. but, you know, so scratching off a, a test score for a kid that nobody don't, don't give a shit about anyway, that's bullshit. But um, as a whole, like I say, education is a pure thing, and it should be left pure. It should be no... It should be no um, restrictions on on what teachers use, other you know, within certain parameters, of course. But uh, there shouldn't be all these metrics that, that 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 make it almost impossible because you can't take something that's based on one dynamic and make it fit the mold for everybody. Education is an individual based thing. You know, kids learn different, people teach different. What works for one teacher in New Hampshire won't 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 uh, won't mean shit in in in, uh, in Jackson and vice versa, and and it's nothing against either one. It's just a point that nobody's looking at the bigger picture. Uh, I, I think that uh, uh, that education should be handed back over to the corporations the way it used to be. It's like listen. The teachers educate you. Now it's up to us to get those of you who excel, you know. And when corporations were doing that, and it wasn't all this damn nepotism, it was a win-win situation, you know. You say this is your valedictorian, you know. This is the college that's looking at you. This is the job you're looking at. And I was one of them kids caught up in that bullshit until I got out and realized it was all about different stuff and. If you think I'm lying, check out my website. My business motto for art of all things is not what you know, it's who you know. Because uh, that's like a, 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 a dead dream. Um, for the, the cities... Go ahead and plug your website. You told me oh, to check out your yeah. website, you didn't plug it. Oh, yeah, my bad. www.newrenaissance.com And that's new as in N-U, renaissance.com. Check it out. Um now the, the 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 city rebuilding and restructuring case by case basis, you know, a lot of people wanna look at crime and all that kind of stuff like that, but it's one common denominator with crime when there's uh, poor education and when there's not a lot of jobs, there's always gonna be more crime. Now it might be different but it's still gonna be more. When they started closing all those doc jobs that they had in in Los Angeles, all in the fifties, and blacks and Hispanics were moving there like crazy. When all those type jobs went away, well, guess what took over? Yeah, I mean, people were losing jobs and 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 and, and gangs and shit started exploding. That was a result of the job loss. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So when jokers ain't got nothing to do, it creates a void. So. Uh, the city I live in and the city I don't call home for the last basically 25 years, one of the first things I would do here because the tax base is damn near undied uh, is to explore uh, entertainment. 
you know, I would really put a lot of emphasis on entertainment because when you don't have a tax base, instead of getting incentives for companies and businesses to move here, you you can get it the sneaky way. With a lot of entertainment, it brings money to the city that normally wouldn't be here based on people moving and working and all that kind of stuff. It just kind of, you know, Las Vegas at, at its peak thrived on it. You know, uh, basically mm-hmm. New Orleans was rebuilt off of with certain parts of New Orleans. Um, anywhere Atlantic City at some point, the boardwalk and all that before the uh, storms and stuff, it, most of these places have thrived off of uh, getting entertainment, Hollywood, of course, to, to kind of replace the, 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 the loss of jobs or lack thereof jobs. So... Um, if the market is there for entertainment, that's one quick way to get quick money that can, uh, you know, have these projects that can fix anything. And I'm not going to let this show go without adding to that with the entertainment. You know, one of the first things I would do right here was was have a wide-open red-light district that would make Amsterdam blush, you know. I mean, you <laughs> might have fucking live porn sets and the whole nine, but I mean... Believe me, in the heart of the Bible Belt, the heart of the heart of the Bible Belt, I mean, it, it will be second to none. I mean, I, I, I don't see where it will be so much influx of extra money that the roads that are damn near done turn to damn near. Uh, it, it, it literally looks like we're on the moon in this motherfucker. I mean, for me to get home, it looked like... <laughs> Alien invaders and shit, you know, just like because the, the 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 city is old. Jackson is a very old city, and a lot of the pipes and all that shit is over 100 years old. The clay, the Yazoo clay we sit on is fucked up. You know, of course, it's a lot of blight and all that kind of stuff, but I guarantee you open that red light district up, man, shoot. I mean. What do we get for $10? Lord, have mercy. I mean, All right, I appreciate that, Eminem. We built this okay. shit on pussy. <laughs> <laughs> we built this city. All right. <laughs> My thanks to my official sponsor, Truth Devour. Get the book, Wanting, on Amazon today. Uh, go to my Facebook fan page to get a link that um, link to that. You can go to facebook.com forward slash talk to Q. Thanks to taxpro1000.com, my show legends, tweet chatters for participating on tonight's show. The upcoming show schedule can be found at talktoq.com. If you want to hear previous shows, then subscribe to me on iTunes or Stitcher Radio and get caught up. Now we're going to take a quick break and get into some zone coverage. To everyone else, have a good night. Talk to you tomorrow. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? We got something to move tonight, and we start the whole circle thing off. Happy, anything move, we not out. Let's go. I am the greatest. Go play intramurals, brother. 
they are who we thought they were. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. You play to win. Do you have any questions? I got a question. You got any excuses tonight, Roy? some technical difficulties right now. I'll get you all going in 347-202-0215 is the number on the Talk to Q radio show. We're going to get into some zone coverage. while, But while I work out these technical difficulties, I'm going to take another quick break and uh, try to see if I can get this resolved. Technical difficulties going on with the internet, and uh, let's see, you all able to hear me? All right, I can't tell if I'm on the air or not, but it appears that I may be, and I'll try to see if I can get this situated, and if you um, allow me just a moment, I will see if I can... um, get things going again. I apologize for that, everyone. Just um, had a dropout here, and I'm not sure what caused it. Um, Actually, it happened to me last night, and it just took a few minutes, and it just kind of restarted. So um, I apologize for that. It's a U-verse thing that uh, hopefully is not going to be a consistent problem. 
but that is the second night in a row. But Eminem Buck, y'all still with me? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm here. All right, cool. Sorry about that. Looks like Crystal's still with us too. So, oh I yeah, she wanted to hear some sports. What? Yeah, she probably <laughs> probably just left her her computer on. Oh, yeah. She probably talked about the Minnesota Vikings. That's what's up. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, before um, I was really interrupted, um, I wanted to. Just see, make a note. Uh, Michael Crabtree is a Raider, and um, I texted Ray earlier today. He seemed like he was all right with it. It's one of those, um, you know, incentive laden contracts where you have to perform. I think it was one year, three million dollars if he um, performs and everything. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I want a Ricky Williams contract, huh? <laughs> almost right. <laughs> so. Um, a little bit better than what Ricky Williams got from Master P, though. <laughs> Master P and Ricky Williams were paying their for Walmart, making more money in Mas- than Ricky Williams. So, all right, um, let's see what else, what else, what else. Le'Veon Bell is going to be suspended for three games, but, um, I mean, which is a, a big blow to the Steelers because Le'Veon Bell is a – is the, you know one of the premier backs in the league, so he'll be suspended for the first three games of their regular season for violating the league substance abuse policy. He is appealing the suspension, so we'll see what happens. This stems from his marijuana um, possession and DUI charges um, from last year. So um, we'll see what happens going to, going with that man. But I mean, dude is big, and you don't want to start the season off with that guy sitting on the bench. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what goes on. Uh, the Jets signed ex-Patriots Stephen Ridley. So that can be a nice pickup for them. For some reason, the Jets love Patriot running backs. As, you know, Curtis Martin or whoever, they just – oh, wait, or did Curtis Martin go from the Jets to the Patriots? I get confused. So, uh, I think he went from – I, I want to say he went from the Patriots to the Jets. Okay, that's what I was thinking, but – all right, and it's like there's another running back I'm forgetting about who did the same. Um, let's see. I'm getting some feedback from somebody, like it's a speakerphone, so if you can kind of check that for me. Um, Will Allen, who used to be a cornerback for the uh, New York Giants, if I'm not mistaken, um, you know, when Can't they won the Super Bowl, Miami Can't Dolphins. No, nah, he didn't play in Tampa. Um, he started, he I remember he was in Miami and uh, New York. So I he played he started, uh, in Bay for six years. Nah, he was um he, he from 2001 to 2012 he played, but he played with the Giants and the Dolphins, and he got signed by the Patriots in 2012, but he didn't play. Um, but um, he got arrested. Well, the federal he's been a, a, accused of a um, Ponzi scheme where they say he ripped off fellow athletes for $31 million. $31 million? Yeah. Wow. That uh, he promised high returns to investors from funding loans to cash-strap pro athletes. And that's kind of jacked up, man, to rip off your peers like that and everything. So the SEC is seeking an injunction against Allen. Um and you know when the feds get after you, man, that that can be a bad thing. Yeah, it's bad. 
That's very bad. That can be a very bad thing. So, all right. I want to talk a hey, little Q, you forgot one. You forgot Who? one, man. Uh, Lawrence Phillips. He killed somebody in jail, Oh, I yeah. I, yeah, you yeah. know, I posted it on Facebook and forgot to mention it. Yeah, Lawrence, sure man, did. first of all, Lawrence Phillips has, I mean, he, he, it's too late to help him now. But Lawrence Phillips has yeah. a problem, you know. Yeah. This man, his entire life has done just crazy things uh, to hurt people, including trying to run over kids, uh, teenagers, in his car after a pickup basketball game. And yeah. um, I, I can't say I'm surprised, man. It's kind of sad, you know, that this yeah. dude has gone his whole life, and this is a an example of someone who got probably passed through school because he played football well, and he just never got any help. You know, people always got him off the hook. Yeah. Yeah. Got two retirements this past week with Troy Palomalo and Ike Taylor retiring today. So, two, yep, two, two Steeler DBs. Two Steeler DBs yeah. who came in the league together. Actually, they retired together. And I think it's pretty good. Good, You know, it's a change in the guard. I think we saw last year that, you know, our secondary was pretty pretty bad. Both both guys came back. Um, Ike Taylor coming back off a shoulder injury and Troy Palomaro coming off a calf injury. Um, both of those injuries were nagging, and they both came back too early. Um you know, and Troy played well last year when he did play. But I mean, the bottom line of it is, is you know, we need some different corners and uh, we need some linebackers as well. But it, it was, you know, both of them getting a couple of Super Bowl rings, being going to three Super Bowls. I mean, these guys. I mean, Troy, first ballot Hall of Famer. Ike Taylor is one of those players. He probably won't make the Hall of Fame, but yeah, I don't think Ike, so. You know, Ike was solid. I mean, Ike dropped him in an interception. That's probably the reason why he won't go, but Ike was still solid. He covered your number one receiver every week and did a pretty good job. So, but time for time for new blood. No doubt. It, it happens every single time. You know, it just, you know, you hate to see your favorite players go, but at some point they have to go. Gotta yeah, go, gotta I, go. Everybody hate to see it, man. Just like when we traded uh, B Dog to uh, Denver before he retired. But you know, but my main thing was like, kind of like with Palomalu, it was not, it, it, you know, it wasn't so much the the on the field attributes. Of course, that that was large too. But it was the leadership, man. It was like, you know, it was like having that having that Magic Johnson on the court. You know what I'm saying? It's that leadership, you know. And uh, every every generation is. is the, the leadership of, of the players is kind of, I ain't gonna say it's gone, but it's kind of like the, the athleticism is better, but the, but the leadership ability and qualities is kind of dwindling, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Just... The thing about Troy though, Troy was probably Troy probably you know he's one of those rare players to just see once in a lifetime, once in an era. Um, Troy, you know, they, they were trying to do comparisons. You know, I don't think he, you know, as good as Ronnie Lott. Ronnie Lott, in my opinion, was the best safety ever was. But, but the, the thing about Troy is Troy had football instincts probably. I mean, when it comes to awareness, Troy was like at 100%, you know, on Madden. So, I mean, Troy just had that awareness. He studied the night hey, in what hey, he knew. I, I, I think Ronnie Lott was the hardest hitting, but I think Ed Reed was probably the best. And man, Ed Reed was definitely the best ball hawk. I know that. Right. Yeah. So, um I don't know, I always thought um 
as far as one of the best DBs, I don't know if you want to limit, limit it strict to safety, but someone who did both and did it very well, I like Rod Woodson. Um, yeah, Rod Woodson. Oh, yeah. I, I thought he did everything. Now, we yeah, did DBs. I, I, I got to go with Neon Dion every time because, like I say, yeah, okay, he couldn't tackle, but shit. If you limit a defensive court, I mean, an offensive coordinator to one side of the field, I mean, what more do yeah. you ask for? That's <laughs> true. That's defense yeah. defined right there, just from being on the field. So, all right, and um, the Cleveland Browns unveiled some new uniforms. Um, there are three different types of uniforms that can be alternated to nine different combinations. It has the team's nickname on the pants leg, on one side of the pants leg, cross stitching in the jersey. Um, the city's name is across the front, and. I mean, Cleveland has probably been one of those cities that a lot of people thought was long overdue for a uniform change. Personally, I kind of like their plain uniforms. It's just it's been around for so long, kind of like the Packers uh, sewage green uniforms. And um, so I don't know. To see it change, I, I never really don't do anything for me. I and, mean, and, you, you know, know the, the Bears keep your quarterback out of rehab. Huh? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I want to talk a little little hockey, all right, but not the way that you all think I'm going to talk hockey in. I'm, we're not going to break down the Stanley Cup playoffs or anything like that. There was a coach, uh, I can't think of his first name, I think it's Daryl, um, coach of the L.A. Kings, Sutter, who, you know, just things didn't go well this year, and the Kings didn't make the playoffs. Now, this is a team that's won two out of the last four championships, so they're used to some success. They won two out of four, and they lost um, They lost one of the championship games. So they've been in three championships out of the last four years. They locked him out of the locker room. Okay. <laughs> and, and I've heard of this before in, 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 you know, in professional ranks and in college ranks in, in basketball where they locked the coach out of the locker room and, Eminem, what do you think about that, man? As a as a coach, if you get locked out of the locker room, man, do you come in? Do you come into the locker room swinging? I mean, that's the ultimate disrespect. Well, well, not only is the ultimate disrespect, but that's the ultimate sign that you obviously hadn't got the full respect of your your players, man. Win, lose, or draw. I mean, um, when you think of some of the the great coaches. I don't like to say I'm not, you know, Q, I know you know quite a bit about hockey, but I have to use football. I ain't going to say quite a bit, but I know a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, you know, I couldn't imagine, um, I couldn't imagine the, even the average NFL coach getting locked out of the locker room or, you know, I mean, that's just, man, that's that's. What would have happened if I somebody mean, knocked out Mike, locked out Mike Ditko or uh, Jim Moore? <laughs> I tell you what, when, when, when that door opens, asses need to scatter. You know, kind of how with Scooby Doo, like roaches. They show them, they 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 they, they running so fast, scattering so fast. Scooby's tail split like five ways. Yeah, because Mike Dick is coming for it, man. That joker already like a bulldog. So shit, you know. Right. <laughs> but that's the and ultimate sign of disrespect. I think so too. But what do you think about it, man? Um, how do you handle this? Going forward as a coach, this is a championship coach with two rings. Well, I mean, this is it's difficult, but 
I don't know, man. That that's 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 a rough call, in my opinion. I don't know which way you want to go at, at that angle. I, I don't know. I mean, it's unique. It's different. So was it a practical joke or were they actually mad? No, they were actually mad. I think by the time they let them in, they all walked out past them. They were dressed. Oh, they tripping like that. Well, I'm going to lock your ass out your contract. Shit. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So. Never heard of anything like that. I um, mean, and to someone that good, I, I don't know. I just think you can't. You've lost control of your team when that happens. But to do it to a championship coach, the guy won the championship last year. Like I said, two out of the last four, and he's so been like three no, of the last twenty years ago championship. It was just last year, and they right? That, man, just crazy. last year, but they missed the playoffs this year. Now, of course, you never know what happened. He could have had some beef with a player and didn't give him playing time and. He ended up being no. the best player, and it cost him a playoff spot. Hey, Q, if uh, if I was the owner, if I was the owner, I got I, I'm gonna ask them players one thing. I said, listen, I I'm I'm listening for y'all to tell me this some some some, some Sandusky shit because if it wasn't nothing on that level, man, some of y'all finna get the boot. This is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's something like Sandusky, I can understand. Like, damn, yeah, you fucking a kid or something, yeah, but you know. Uh, anything removed from that is hard to imagine. A championship coach on top of any type of coach, man. And then they walk past the dude like, oh man, that's Ooh, yeah. He must have really did something. I, I I can't wait to hear all the facts on this because this this is like that's bizarre, man. Yeah, I'm interested to see how it gets handled for sure. All right. Uh, let's see. All right, man. You know, they had the Masters of the weekend. You had the little young dude do his thing, win from wire to wire. But, of course, everybody's talking about Tiger Woods. Um, when is Tiger Woods going to win another major? And, 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 Buck, why do you think that people think Tiger's going to win um, every major that comes up, yet along another major? I mean, the guy's been playing for 20 years. He's not in his prime anymore. Should we expect Tiger to win another major? Well, you know, the thing about Tiger is Tiger still drives the ball well for a person his age. You know, I'm not sure what age is old in golf, but I think he might be approaching that or if he's not already in it. You know, so he might be jumping out on that senior tour in another couple, I would say probably another three or four years maybe. But at the same time, Tiger can drive the shit out of football, out of a Golf ball, right? Well, I don't know if so, he has what he used to have with those back injuries. Well, I mean, he was hitting the ball pretty good on these fairways. I mean, he stayed off, you know, I guess nine weeks before the Masters, and, you know, he practiced on a shot on a day, day-to-day basis. But the thing about Tiger is I think at his age, I'm not sure how old Tiger is. I'm, I really don't know. I, what don't is know Tiger? I, I can look it up. Look it I, up. Thought I, he's about 30, 30, I think he's about 39. Yeah, he's 39. 39. So at Tiger's age, I think he needs to make some adjustments, and I don't think he—I don't think he necessarily needs to make the adjustments on the golf course. I think he needs to make his adjustments on the, on his, on his weight training. Tiger Woods can bench press. This joker can bench press three hundred pounds, and I think—I mean, for a guy his size and his age, he should. I mean, I know you need to at least be able to bench press your weight, but Tiger don't weigh three hundred pounds. And I don't think I'm not sure if he can do that anymore, though. 
I don't think he can do it now, but I know he used to. But yeah. I think uh, the thing is, I know Tiger is pushing himself. He may not be able to do 300 pounds, but I bet you he at least trying to do 250 or and above. And yeah. the thing is, is that Tiger needs to make adjustments. And I think if he makes the adjustment in the weight room, I think it will translate to the golf course. He's still going to be able to knock that ball down the fairway, but I just think he needs to concentrate more on lighter weight, better, you know, more reps than heavier weight and less reps at his stage at 39 years of age. You're not a football player, you're a golf player. And I think in order for him to be successful on the golf course, I think he needs to change up some of his workout regimens and do a little bit, do some different things to, you know, make himself stronger. Um, but, but you you own to something, man. But 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 one thing you you kind of left out, man, is is not only the weights. It's like what all of us know just from being you know former you know ball players ourselves is that if you have an injury, okay. man, you got to let the shit heal before you jump back into it. And I really don't think he. I really don't think he's let himself heal up. I really think he's, uh, I, you know, I understand the gutting it out stuff, but I'm saying, man, listen, you know, uh, at some point reality kick in. Yeah, you might can gut something out of 25, but after you get a certain age, if 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 the recommended time to, you know, not do something to let a muscle properly repair itself is six weeks, then damn it, you got to do it, you know. Uh, especially on that level. And I don't really think he done that, man. I, I really think, just like you said, I think he's just pushing himself and, like, I think he done got caught up in that Tiger tiger hype that I'm Tiger Woods, I got to win these amount of championships, I got to break, break the Golden Bears records and all this shit. And I think he's uh, just locked into that to the point where he's not letting himself heal up. And he's killing himself. Yeah, you, know, you might he, be he right. He's sucked over the last three years. You might be right, and I, th- and I think really and truthfully, I mean, you remember when I think Tiger took like a year off or something like that, and he came back and he, he started winning, you know, started winning majors again. You know, I you know I guess during after that sex scandal yeah. thing or whatever. Right, that was a but mental think, layoff, but he was still hitting yeah. them weights on a, on a hurt back like a fool. Yeah, <laughs> so the, I think if he makes the necessary changes in the weight room and let himself heal, I, I can see Tiger winning another major. I don't. I wouldn't necessarily go after all the records and things of that nature, but Tiger has an ability. Once he wins one golf match, he goes on a tear and can't nobody stop him. So get that mojo back. He get that mojo back. So if he can, if he can tweak those things, you know, especially that rake room stuff. I mean, I'm 44, and I would love to go in there and bench press 250 and 300 pounds. And I could, I know I could do at least two fifty, but at the same time, I ain't gonna kill my back and my arms at forty-four years of age. I'd rather do a hundred-pound bench press and and live to fight another day than going in there trying to, you know, trying to be Hulk Hogan at forty-four years old. So, I mean, bottom line of it is, you got to make change because Father Time gonna make you, and he, you know, and there's no sense in busting out a shoulder or messing up a, messing up your L4, L5 for what. I mean, well, I he already has make... back problems. He has knee problems, and whatever mojo he had, whatever, yeah, whatever mojo he had, he left it at the Waffle House. So uh, I, I just don't know exactly <laughs> where he goes. 
I think he's more. I think he's capable of winning a major. I mean, I, I'll never say he's not capable. I just don't expect him to do it like a lot of people do. It's like every time he goes out there, people are saying, yeah, "All right, Tiger's going to win a major," and I'm like, "No, that Tiger has been gone for a very long time. That Tiger has been missing for you know six, seven years now, and you can't expect him to win. You just have to, to hope yeah. that he wins." And, uh, and, and that's that's one thing cute too cute is like people are always talking about you know how boxing died and all this shit. I think golf done died because I mean you got people that normally hated Tiger ten years ago want to see him win just so they can hate on him. You know what I'm saying? It's just like like because uh, I know when uh, that time VJ Singh was kind of making a pretty good push. You know a lot of people was trying to make it seem like it was bird magic that type of thing and. You know, it really wasn't the case. Tiger don't have that kind of personality, but it's like just for the sport itself, it's like golf is dying to have the Tiger back just to, have, you know, the to, to, to have higher marketing, you know. I, I really think that the sport itself needs him to win. I think that's what a lot of it is. Nobody's going to say it, but... That's what a lot of it is right there. They they need him to be, love him or hate him, they need him to be the face of it. You know, kind of like how basketball mm-hmm. was before LeBron kind of came on. Because people hated Kobe, so they weren't going to let him be the face of the NBA. So, um, I think that's what golf is right now. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe Tiger has something left. We'll see. But uh, Roy, McEl- Roy McElroy and um, this new guy, I can't think of his name, Spice, Spiff, I don't know. Um, I'll learn it if he keeps winning. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> it's their world yeah. now. So It might be a Michelle uh, Wee. Shit. <laughs> or overrated stuff. <laughs> All right. All right um, in the NBA, uh, the Boston Celtics beat Toronto 95-93 in a close one to clinch a playoff spot. So they got that seven seed. Boston is in. Indiana won in double overtime against Washington, who was favorite. Um, so Indiana is still in the eighth spot, but they're only one game ahead of Brooklyn, and they need to win to be in. So Indiana is already in playoff mode. With Indiana's win, Miami, the Miami Heat, who have been in the last four championships, have been eliminated. All right, so Miami is out. And, you know, tomorrow New, the New Orleans um, Pelicans, I think, have to play the Spurs, and they have to win to get in or they have to have Oklahoma City lose. Either way, they can make it. So that's what's going on in the NBA. Who, who, I might have, who does Oklahoma City play? I, I want to say they play like Minnesota or somebody they can beat. Um, oh, okay. Let me see if I can find their schedule. And Oklahoma, yes, they go to Minnesota, who is 16 and 65. Um, That's with KG back. So they go to Minnesota while New Orleans (laughs) has to suffer through a home game. They get to play at home, but they're playing against the Spurs, who are 55 and 26. And the Spurs are playing for the number two seed, so they will be playing their starters, I'm sure. Because if the Spurs lose and the Clippers win, the Clippers get the two seed. 
and that means the Spurs would have to play Dallas. Excuse me, the Spurs would have to play Memphis um, as opposed to playing Dallas. And if you ask if you ask any of the Spurs, I'm sure they'd much rather play Dallas, even though they've owned Memphis. Um, this Memphis might be a little different this year, so I'm pretty sure they don't want to play Memphis, who made me motivated. Even though the Spurs gave them a hard time, I mean the Mavericks gave them a hard time and probably should have beat them, beaten them last year. Um, so I don't know. Either way, you never know. Maybe they want to play Memphis, but we'll see what happens there. Um, let's see. Two more things, and we'll shut this down. Uh, there have been rumors that Phillip Rivers does not want to move to Los Angeles if the Chargers move there. And so they've been speculating that the Chargers want to trade Phillip Rivers um, to Tennessee so they can get Mariota. Now, if Phillip Rivers gets traded to Tennessee for Mariota, who gets the better of that deal? Because, you know, Phillip Rivers has family 150 miles from Nashville. His wife is from the area. So, you know, he would probably love to move back to Tennessee. But if you're the Chargers, you get a young quarterback who could be the face of your franchise if you do move to L.A. But And if you're the Titans, then you get an a aging quarterback, but he's still been playing pretty well, played at an MVP level at times. Um, Buck, who's getting the better end of that deal if, if they were to send Phillip Rivers to Tennessee for Mariota in that, that pick? Well, I think Tennessee would be, to be honest with you, um, bottom line of it is, I mean, you, Philip Rivers is, is, you know, he's, you know, he's had his up and down time, but he's a proven quarterback in this league. And with Mariota, I mean, you're if you trade, you know, you trade Philip Rivers to Tennessee and you pick up Mariota, you don't know what you have. You got a young quarterback. Um, don't know, you know, don't know if you, you got to have a little bit of time to jail with your, you know, with your offensive line your running backs, your receivers. Um and you know, they may the rest of the players may not buy into a new new leader. It may that sometimes takes some time to do. And when you you know, you go through that, you know, you, those are things that you really have to kind of think about. And I don't know if that's just because you don't want to move to LA. I mean, I, I just don't know about that. So I just I think Tennessee would probably would make out better because that makes them almost like an instant contender because you have a proven quarterback that can, you know, he can make the plays. He can get you to the playoffs. He may not be able to get you to the Super Bowl, but at least he can get you to the playoffs. And, you know, Tennessee does have some upgrades, so um, it remains to be seen. So you got a good offer. You got a good, you know, good coach. You got a good defensive coordinator that's, you know, over there in Dick LeBeau. So, you know, good on offense, good on defense. They, I think they'll come out better, better on the deal. Mhm. Eminem. Well, I mean, um, well, number one, first and foremost, outside of coming to Philly, um, um, Mariota to me is such a system type quarterback. He's not the type of guy, in my opinion, that that can be plugged in to be a franchise quarterback everywhere throughout the league like that. Uh, I think he could be pretty successful maybe somewhere like uh, San Francisco. Uh, uh, I think he would be an ideal backup to Russell Wilson. I think he would fit well in Seattle. But outside of, you know, coming to Philly, 
of course, you know, reuniting with Chip Kelly, I don't really see him just being successful like that. So clearly Tennessee gets the best deal. But now if Tennessee was to do that shit with an aging quarterback, but definitely a quarterback that's, uh, you know, one of the best gunners of the last 10 years easily, uh, I mean, you might well go ahead and stack the man up and let him try to halfway compete because Andrew Luck going to be kicking ass with, uh, you know, Frank Gore and uh, – Andre Johnson now complimenting uh, T.Y. Hilton. So, you know, they kind of too little too late as far as, like, taking a shot at winning the uh, AFC South. But just to make it interesting, if they go ahead and pick up, uh, you know, Todd Gurley to go in the backfield and and maybe if they can uh, steal Amari Cooper to go with them, you know, Phillip Rivers is a legit, you know, quarterback that can shit. Man, that jump some gun in the right situation. He'll hit you for 5,000 yards and, and, uh, quietly, you know what I'm saying? You know, mm-hmm. um, so he's definitely a legit quarterback. I just think it's too little too late for us, the division because I'm from that school of thought that it don't matter how good you are, if you can't one-up the, the top team in that division, is not a lot of things going to happen, you know, so um, – but but clearly Tennessee would be getting better of the deal. I mean, I mean motherfuckers talk about Mariota like he Tom Brady or something, man. Like shit, man, this dude ain't busted a grape yet. He don't even have a, a, a national championship. So I mean, it's like, you know, like I say, outside of uh, coming to us and you know, running a system that he's definitely familiar with, I I don't see the, I I don't know why in the hell you would tra- trade somebody like Phillip Rivers for. Us you know, for a rookie like that, you know, I mean, Jameis Winston is more into the style that will fit in San Diego, more so than Mariota, in my opinion, but like I say, maybe they see something I don't, that's why they get paid the money they get, you know, but I would have gave it to Marshawn Lynch on the goal, inside the goal, uh, you know, I believe in still running the fullback, so that's, mm-hmm. that's why I'm still a peewee coach, so... <laughs> I understand, man. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> so we'll see what happens there. I don't think anything is going to happen, but they've been running some rumors lately. Ron Jaworski said something about um, Tampa Bay is looking to take Mariota with the first pick. I don't believe that. Man, that was, if they great. if they are, they're just trying to just trying to get leverage against uh, Jameis Winston for whatever reason. I don't know what kind of leverage you could actually get. I mean, he slotted for his salary, so. But uh, last thing I want to get into, and this is a little baseball. And, I mean, for me to talk hockey and baseball on the same night, I mean, man, I, y'all y'all need to tell Ray that he, he missed out on this. This, oh, is, yeah, a, man. this is a milestone <laughs> show. <laughs> uh, I'm, on Sunday night's matchup between the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks, there was a fan sitting right behind the plate. Uh, this was in Arizona, by the way. There was a fan sitting right behind the plate that had on a Dodgers jersey and a cap. Well, during one of the at-bats, you can see in the background, a lady shows up with a jersey, and she tells the man to take his Dodger cap off and his Dodger jersey off, and she gives him a Diamondbacks jersey to put on. Now, this man paid $3,300 for his seat to sit behind home plate. For this game, 
However, there is language in the contracts when you buy those tickets that if you sit behind the plate where the TV is showing, that you cannot wear the opposing team's paraphernalia. You have to wear either neutral colors or the Diamondbacks gear. Uh, Buck, what do you think about that, man? You pay $3,300 for a seat. You're wearing your Steelers jersey at a Browns game, and they tell you that either you're going to put on a Browns jersey or you got to move, vacate your seat. I'm keeping I'm keep my Steelers jersey on. Bottom line, I'll get up I'll get up and stand if I have to. I'm wearing my damn Steelers coat. I ain't putting on no Browns shit. Hell, them motherfuckers are in my division, and I do not like the Cleveland Browns. They can kiss my ass. You know, I don't have to. I'm, you know, bottom line, if I pay for that seat, I should it's, be moving. It's, in. it's part of the contract, though. It's actually on the when you, when you get the tickets, they actually make you aware that you can't wear opposing teams' gear. Now they say they claim they only enforce it when the Dodgers play, but um, mm-hmm. you know, because Arizona and LA got a rivalry thing, but. I mean, so it's not like you don't know up front, but I guess a lot of people don't take them seriously. So would you just not buy the ticket, or would you take your chances? Man, I mean, shit. You know, I paid money to go watch a game. I'd be, I mean, hell, I mean, they didn't they didn't bother us when we went to Jacksonville, and we took over that fucking stadium last year when we went there, and it was nothing. They were just happy to rent. sell some tickets. They have they to sell some tickets. Steal, y'all. You know, because you know we do travel well. But the bottom line of it is this: if you pay money, it shouldn't matter what you wear, as long as it's decent. I mean, as long as you covered up, you're not, you know, don't have no junk hanging out and nothing like that. Shouldn't matter. So, you gonna make me move because I'm wearing a, a, a pony's jersey? You can kiss my ass. Or, I mean, Eminem is this where marketing and branding hurt sports? Because sports was always the essence of, you know fan loyalty and, you know, the fan being able to enjoy the game. Now, you've already outpriced the average fan. And for this guy to, first of all, put on a Diamondbacks jersey, I'm thinking to myself, either he's not a true Dodger fan or he really didn't know or didn't pay attention that um, they were going to make him get up out that seat and he didn't want to leave his seat. I would turn it inside out if I was going to wear it at all. But, I, I mean, does this hurt? Does it hurt the sport at all, or sports in general? Because there are other stadiums that do this, and um, the Tampa Bay Lightning do this in hockey. I I can say um, I, I like the, the 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 pureness of sports where, you know, if I were to, you know, where of course you know, uh, a Philly jersey, and I'm at a you know. Cowboys or Redskins or Giants game specifically, uh, with any other team really, but but specifically any of those three, I mean I would love to be over there just to talk shit. I mean I mean you know within reason. I mean I ain't know you know I hope it don't get serious when people go my going to the trunk and all that shit. But mm-hmm. you know I'm saying like but to make somebody take a jersey off and have it in the rules. I mean if I own the, uh, a team or whatever, I would love for somebody to be on. I said now listen, you know it's like. You sure you want to do that? Because you finna get heckled to death. I mean, matter of fact, this might not be a great experience for you. But I'm not going to tell you to take it off, man. I'm going to just get a kick out of laughing. I said, man, look. <laughs> look what's going on over there. <laughs> you know? But uh, but like I say, everything now is too fucking commercialized. And, you know, something, talk, something we talked about on zone coverage uh, uh, 
thought like not long after you first started zone coverage, man, how, you know, everything is brought to you by something, uh, somebody sponsor halftime. So you basically, you know, you riding the jock of every damn corporation it is. So I guess it might be some clause of, you know, one of the athletic makers or whatever saying, you know, well, hey, you know, this is this and this is this and uh, we paid this consulting firm all this money to see, you know, how can we make it a better experience or be more attractive to the fans or how can we generate a fictitious rivalry that nobody knows about, you know. I didn't know, I didn't really, you know, I'm not really into baseball anymore, but as a kid, I I, kind of always thought about, you know, the Yankees and Dodgers and that kind of shit, but um, the Diamondbacks and Dodgers, I mean, that's like, okay, well, you know, that's what it is, that's what it is, you know, I mean, like, so I think it's like one of the marketing strategies where they, 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 they put some type of restriction on something just to try to generate some something out of it. I don't think it's genuine. I don't think this is something the fans did or nothing. You know, uh, I mean, why why wouldn't you want a guy to come in with the with the opposing team on? Just to just to have somebody to talk shit to. I mean, who who wants to be around a bunch of guys high fiving each other? You got to be able to boost somebody. True. Know? So I don't know, man. I don't I don't like some of this new marketing strategy and things of that nature. It's just it's just a little much. And um, I hope they 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 get rid of it because it's just it's stupid to me. It's just stupid. You're gonna tell a man. That he paid thirty three hundred bucks to sit down in your stadium, and now you're gonna tell him, you know what, you gotta wear our jersey. You know what, that man don't want to come back. You know, obviously the the, the seat was available, but you know, 30, oh, I meant to ask you this too, man. Thirty three hundred. I mean, thirty three hundred. Damn. Thirty three hundred bucks. This guy paid. This is a game. This ain't the World Series. This is just a nope. game, right? It's a Sunday night game. And so I, I just I don't understand it, but all right, got a couple of who am I's. Let's see. I am a six foot two, two hundred thirteen defensive back, born actually born tomorrow. These I guess because it's on the East Coast, it came out early. Born April fifteenth, turned forty three years old. Out of USC, I was drafted by the New York Giants in the second round in 1994. War number 31. Who am I? Jason Seahorn. Jason Heath Seahorn. Very good. <laughs> that's what he's on. Okay, that's good, but. <laughs> All right. I, I was born the same day, turned 45 years old, 5'11, 190. Five pounds. Out of Arizona State, I was drafted as a defensive back by the New York Giants, also in the second round in 1992. And I played on the other side of Jason Seahorn. How ironic they have the same birthday. Who am I? Oh. You know his name when you hear it. He has a daughter who uh, was on American Idol. By the name of Jordan. 
He was a pretty good DB. But we know his last name Sparks, but we just don't know if maybe, maybe not. Ah, uh, come on, Eminem. Number 22. Damn, man, I'm blind. Shit. I know Ray would have got it. Felipe Yo, Ray Sparks. It. Sparks. Felipe Dwayne Sparks. Sparks. You, got the, you Sparks. got the last name. Yeah. I'm telling you, if you got Felipe Yo. Sparks, Eminem. All right, last one. I am a six foot two, two hundred and ten pound defensive back, turns thirty years old, drafted in the first round in two thousand six by the San Diego Superchargers out of Florida State. I got a a cousin that plays actually I got a couple of cousins oh. that play in the league. That's all like artists, huh? Oh. Yeah. I got Twelve kids by done? by thirteen women. <laughs> and um uh and Dominique is the cousin, but the one yep. with the babies is um Dominique Rogers Cromarty Rogers. and but yeah, and Antonio Cromarty. Yeah. And he he is also the cousin to Damon Cromarty Smith, who uh Played safety for the Steelers for three years. Uh, basically, special teams type guy. Only played four games a season. And Terrell Smith, who is a fullback for for Detroit right now, played most of his career with the Saints. So he got some pretty famous cousins going for him, or that'd pretty athletic family. Boy, that's probably some big. That's some big in the that family. You ain't, you ain't kidding. Y'all standing around. Kidding. Shit, everybody yeah, want a dollar. Everybody want a pack of cigarettes, man. That's crazy. I'm glad Ray wasn't on tonight. I was able to answer those without being interrupted. <laughs> Ray would have got him. I would have been like, he was a six to a total Cromartie. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> he is Bobby Ross. Uh, okay. <laughs> And then I, but I, I tell you what, one, I one of my pro- thing, I get ready to take a breath. I'm like, Felipe Sparks. But, <laughs> hey, but one of one of my proudest moments on zone coverage, man. Like I said, I take pride in the running backs. Is when uh, I had got uh, Warwick done real quick. Yeah, that, you that was one of the only ones I, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, fellas. So I go ahead and shut this thing down. Any final thoughts? Yeah, man. Right. We got what? Two more weeks ago. Two more weeks. Are you talking about the fight? Yeah, Both. the fight, man. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna try to get the young brothers on on the 27th, the Monday before the fight, and do an all boxing show that Monday. You know, kick it up an Ooh. hour earlier. Oh, or whatever. Hey, on that same note of boxing, man, and this is what I was gonna uh, get y'all opinion on it, man. Uh, I was checking out um, NBC Sports, you know, with the, with the primetime boxing they had on this weekend. Yeah. And you know, the the, the fights were were, were 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 good good fights or whatever. But man, I'm just like I can't get into the music, man. I used to get kind of charged up off HBO music, uh, just the theme music between the mm-hmm. bouts and stuff, and I don't know, man. It seemed like something lacking there. You know what? Know. You're not the somebody else. I think it was a guy 
who uh, was supposed to call into the boxing show in a couple of weeks named Will. And I think he said that he can't get with the music. He says not, you know, it's not explicit rap and stuff that he can really get, really get crunk, you know. And he said the but, same but thing, man. But but HBO when, when um when uh, of course y'all remember this just like yesterday. Like I say, man, uh, as a kid I grew up a Sugar Ray Leonard fan, but as I you know got older, I I just like man, Roy Jones just became like just like that was the my favorite boxer of all time, but like Roy Jones Jr. and HBO uh, Boxing, the music just fit him. They showed in slow motion, like a mm-hmm. recap of some kind of crazy uh, punch he do on somebody with his head, and, the, you know, they got dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. You know, like, I'm just saying, it's just like, you know, like the Monday Night Football themes, it's just like that theme music just kind of echoes and accentuates the moment, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that if NBC nailed that, they'll really just kind of win over some new fans, you know. You know, you know, guys like us gonna watch it regardless. It don't matter. But True. You know, it's for winning over the new fans, and you know, when when you can be in the classroom and just start humming, and by ten more people can hum it, that's when you know you done nailed it. Yeah, right, just like the know, NFL thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, whether it's Fox, dun, dun, ABC, dun, dun. or whatever, you know. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, just like, shit, man, damn. You start bouncing and stuff, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, I, just like all the NFL films music, you know, um, I've heard so much over the years that I, I can find myself, when it's playing in the background, I'll find myself, you know, dun, 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 You know, and I just kind of get hyped, man. Dun, 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 dun. I, I'm, I'm even into. Uh, I, I really dig the. Of course, it's a, it's it's more subdued or whatever. But I really dig the uh, a football life music. Man, it's like it kind of go with everything, you know. You know, uh, that's a show. By, show I don't nearly watch as much as I should. Yeah, I, I, I you know, like I, I love them, man, because it's kind of like I don't know. Maybe it's just a age thing. It make me reflect of the. Of just over the years, these people that you know you thought you were gonna watch play forever, now they retire. You know, it's like or dead or something. It's like damn. <laughs> right. So, all right, man. And Buck, what you got? Great show tonight. You know, just you know, sometimes you know, in these in these rare times in the, in football. I mean, you don't see many players stay at the same team, you know, for a long time. That's what we're used to looking at back in the steel curtain days, back in the Dallas Cowboys were going to Super Bowls, that, you know, and, you know, Ron Jaworski staying with the Eagles. Um, um, God, yeah, I can't think of the other one. Um, I forgot what the other uh, the number seven that played, the other number seven that played for the Eagles for a long period of time before Mike Vick got there or whatnot. But the thing is, in any event... The other number seven. You know, You're not getting confused with Joe Theismann, are you? No, I'm not talking about it. I said Eagles. Um, but, um, but anyway, um, bottom line of it is, you know, it's the end of an era for the Pittsburgh Steelers on defense when you get rid of Kiesel and Palomalo and Ike Taylor. These guys represented unsung heroes. We know Troy Palomalo was first-round draft choice. But, you know, you had Ike Taylor in the fourth round, I think, uh, sixth round for 
Brett Kiesel. These guys, you know, they did very well in their positions. Um, for kind of read the 